Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Purihan ang Panginoon. Hallelujah. Magandang umaga po sa inyong lahat. God bless you po. One of the great things that God does in our lives that I find believers can almost all always relate to, which we enjoy, which we marvel at. Sometimes it's one of the ways in which God really gets our attention and really gets us on track. Is the way that God will confirm things that he is speaking to you through the mouths of two or more witnesses is what the scripture says. What do I mean by that? I mean that there will be things that happen in the circumstance of your life that you know that's not a coincidence. Or at least faith will tell you that's not a coincidence. The flesh might say, oh, that must be a coincidence. But faith begins to perceive what flesh will deny. Flesh denies faith. I like what Pastor Hinge is going to be preaching on Friday. I can't wait. Flesh denies faith, but faith denies the flesh. Amen. Hallelujah, brother. That's of the Lord, I'm telling you. If you can be here on Friday night, be here. And if you can't, find a way to be here anyway. Who said you can't? If God can, then you can, right? All things are possible with God. All right, I'm not going to guilt you into being here. There are the realities of right responsibilities. But let me tell you this. Every one of us can be here in the spirit. This Friday is a, a significant time of prayer. This Saturday is a significant time of breakthrough and release in our city and in the kingdom of God. So faith sees what flesh denies. And that is when God is using different circumstances in our lives. You remember what I was talking about here? Confirmation. Different voices, different moments to let you know, yeah, this is really of me. This is really happening. I've been very pleased uh, lately to get to have some time with a fellow pastor. You know him, Pastor Eugene Matia of uh, Cross Culture Church, dear man, beloved brother. He's uh, he and his wife are actually leaving for Turkey today. Lord, we ask your blessing upon them as they travel. Doing a uh, pastor's, uh, um, I can't remember the exact terminology, but a, a, a kind of an initiation or trial tour of the journeys of Paul and so forth through Turkey and uh, the Mediterranean. So uh, he and I got together uh, on Friday just to talk before he was out of town and just fellowship and have some time together. And we prayed for each other as we would always do. You know, it was interesting. As he was praying for me, he was praying for us. Just like when I pray for him, I pray for cross-culture as well. We're all one body in Christ. He was praying for me. The Lord did something. Now, don't, don't if this is unusual to you, if this is unusual to your way of thinking, stick with me. I know that for some of you, this will be immediately recognizable. But some people, maybe even somebody watching online or watching a recording, think, well, that seems a little odd. Does that really happen? But as he was praying for me, I had a vision. What I mean by that, because there's different ways that you can have visions, but let me tell you, they're all in the Bible. So this is biblical. Don't let somebody tell you it's not biblical to have a vision. It is. That doesn't mean every vision is a biblical vision. But it is a biblical thing to have a vision. The Spirit of the Lord quickened in my mind's eye an image. It wasn't an image I was thinking of. There's a way that you can tell. You see something that is very clear and plain, not in front of you in the physical world, but in your mind's eye. I had my eyes closed as we were praying. And yet I know it was nothing I was thinking of. It was something I was seeing, 
and recognizing it was a butterfly. Actually, what it was was it was, I don't know all the terminology, but you know, in the cocoon or the chrysalis, the place where the butterfly is transformed. If you've ever watched one of those, I used to like to watch the science shows when I was a kid. I still do, I guess, where you see the butterfly coming out. For a while, you almost can't tell what's the chrysalis, what's the cocoon, and what's the butterfly. It's all kind of a gooey mess. Things look like they're breaking. Things look like they're stretching and straining. And, and the cocoon itself, it's hard to tell the difference between a cocoon and, I don't know, a seed pod or a piece of plant life, right? But then as those wings start to come out and they capture the light, the iridescence of the wings, the multicolor rainbow color that in fact the scripture describes as being the aura around God's throne, that beauty, I saw that in that vision. I saw the butterfly spreading its wings. And I felt that it was the Lord saying to me, there's a transformation I'm doing in you, Courtney. And there's a transformation I'm doing in your brothers and sisters at PCF. And there's a transformation I want to do in Los Angeles that I want to do in this world. And I'm doing it, says the Lord. I'm doing it. And I said, amen and hallelujah. And I was so excited. So I got to my office, turned the page on my page a day calendar. And look what Friday the 15th was. A butterfly. Now, you can say that's coincidence, but I say that's confirmation. That's confirmation. And you know what the verse is? Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The old worm, right? The old caterpillar, that furry, fluffy, crawling thing is left behind. And a new flying thing is born. It's one creature, but transformed. And for you and I to be transformed like that, to allow that seed pod of a cocoon to bring forth the fruit of a flying butterfly, is to die to the flesh and to be born again in the spirit. And that's what God is doing. That's what fruit of the spirit is all about. Walking in the Spirit is flying in the Spirit. Hallelujah. No more crawling in the flesh, but flying in the Spirit. Now, I want to say something today as we look at today's lesson, which is sometimes while we're flying in the Spirit and we fly high, we fall sometimes back into the ways of the flesh. I want to remind you something, because in these past weeks, we've seen a number of times how the Lord says, bear fruit, and if you don't bear fruit, you're like a branch that is dry and cut off and burned up. I want to remind you that the words of the Lord to us are words of love. There is warning in those words, but don't forget this reality. God is not saying, if you don't bear fruit, I won't love you and you'll be thrown out. That's not what God is saying. It's not a judgment of God, but a promise of God. If you love me, my love will bear fruit in you. But what he is also saying is, if you're not bearing fruit, you're not living in my love. You and I cannot bear the fruit on our own. But if we will simply enter into the covenant of his love, which is the cocoon of his embrace, you will be transformed from the inside out through no power of your own, but purely through the power of God's love. 
However, though it's not through your power or mine, but only through his, you and I do have a place of participation. And that is to believe what he says, to receive his work within us, to die to the flesh and to be resurrected in the spirit. In other words, we have no power to bear fruit of our own, but we do have the power to reject the flesh, to deny the flesh and to invite the Holy Spirit. So this morning, Lord God, we invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you to rule and reign and work within us. We invite you to have your way and your will in us. And we invite your word like a seed into the soil of our heart that where it takes deep purchase within us, Lord, it would lay down roots, your roots, and bring forth fruits, your fruits, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Fruit of the Spirit is our long-term sermon series in this season, and today we're in part three. We're going to look at three parables of faith, growth, and fruitfulness. Parable of the sower, parable of the growing seed, the parable of a blooming mustard tree. Sower, seed, and tree. I want to talk about some of the essential truths that we've arrived at in this series so far. And if you haven't been with us throughout the series, it's okay, because these truths are probably going to be almost self-evident to you. I mean, in other words, you'll immediately recognize, I think, the reality, the, the validity, the truthfulness of these things. One is, we were made to multiply. God made us to multiply. When God made the caterpillar, he made the caterpillar Whoa, I, I don't speak English either, apparently. I've got to find a new language. I don't speak Tagalog. I can't speak English. I've got to start learning Portuguese. God made the caterpillar for the cocoon and the cocoon for the caterpillar, but both are intended for the butterfly. You were made out of the dust, but you were made for the heavens. And you were made to multiply. Genesis 1.28, God said, be fruitful and multiply. So it's in you, right? It's in you. You're going to multiply. Friends, you are going to multiply no matter what. Doesn't just mean whether you get married and have kids. You're going to multiply your mindset. Your words multiply. How many words do you speak in your life? And how many times do those words multiply over the years? You know, your first year, you, you just said goo and ga. But by year two, unless you were really advanced, some of you might. By year two, you were speaking a wild streak. And in year three and four and five, your words multiply. Your acts multiply. Your behavior multiplies. You're made to multiply. So you're going to multiply. But what will you multiply? What we multiply depends on what we sow. You will reap what you sow, says Paul to the Galatians in chapter 6. So the fruit that we multiply depends on the seed that we sow. And what we were told is there is good seed, which is God's word, which is God's way, which is God will, God's will. Say that with me, will you? The good seed is God's word, God's way, God's will. That's where the spirit will bring forth fruit. Okay? So what the works of the flesh are, are anything that is not in accord with God's word, does not align with God's way, and contradicts God's will. 
anything and everything that fits those categories is, by definition, works of the flesh. The Spirit produces fresh fruit that abides, that remains, right? As Pastor Henji was reading the word to us, that fruit of God remains. Think of a plate of fruit after it's been out on the table a day, a week, a month. Did you ever see one of those time-lapse videos where, I mean, talk about a caterpillar. It's amazing how a grape turns into a caterpillar over time, right? It sprouts its little fluff and fur, and pretty soon you look at a plate and figure, yeah, that could crawl away. Because fruit, after a while, goes bad, but not the fruit of God. The fruit of the flesh starts that way. It's corruption through and through, but the fruit of the Spirit. It's fruit that remains lustrous and juicy and beautiful. So there's two kinds of seed. There is the seed of the Spirit, and there's the seed of the world, which is the fleshly way. We were intended not to multiply the works and the ways of the world but to multiply the works of the Spirit. So you were not only made to multiply in your human nature, but you were saved to multiply. Turn to the person next to you and say, you were saved to multiply. In other words, Jesus Christ came and lived and died for you and I so that we would have life, that's the seed, and that more abundantly, that's the multiplication. You see, he came that we would have life and that that life would be fruitful faithful, ripe, and rich. Not in the things of the world, not according to our own will, but in the things of the kingdom and according to the ways and the will of God. Are you with me? You were made to multiply, but what you multiply depends on what you sow. So you were saved to multiply the things of God. But you were saved freely, you and I. We were not saved into a system wherein we live under the law. Remember, Paul, writing to the Galatians, says you are to walk in the Spirit, not under the law, because the law could not be fulfilled by you and I. This is what I was saying earlier. The Lord does a great transformation in us, but we still struggle to overcome the works of our flesh. Hallelujah. It is not dependent on you being a perfect, sinless being. It is already accomplished in the perfect sinless life and death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So now you and I are free. And he whom the Son sets free, she who the Son sets free, is free indeed. But that means that we are also free to fall back into sin or to give place to the flesh rather than the spirit. Now there is forgiveness where there is repentance. So don't come under condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ, but there is a living reality, which is if you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh, and the reaping of the flesh is destruction. So sow to the Spirit. Sow, sow to the Spirit. (laughs) Therefore, sow the seed of the Spirit. Read the Word. Pray. Don't forsake this gathering together. It's good that you are here today. It's good that we fellowship together. It's good that we worship the Lord together. This is not all we do, but it is always part of what we do, and it is a cornerstone of who we are. But also, all through the week, we are to be praying, walking in the Spirit, fellowshipping with one another, and sowing the seed of God's Word into the world around us. 
Now, you, it's not your job to pull out the weeds of the flesh from everyone else's life. Those are the specks in everybody else's eye. Your job is to look at the log in your own eye, to pull out the weed of the flesh in yourself. That's where we will be fruitful. It's easy to go around saying they need to do this and they need to do that and they need to do that. But what God says is, what do you need to do? Where do you need to be looking? Look within. Repent for your own sin. And ask God to transform you. And he will. That is sowing to the spirit. That's denying the flesh and sowing to the spirit. So last week we talked about how there's really one root to every person's life. We, we recognize that every life has, other than the life of Jesus Christ, which was the perfect sinless life, a human life, but graced with the divinity of God. Every other one of us has sin in our life, but we don't continue in that sin. And as believers, when we sin, there is a recourse. We can confess to God. We can confess to one another. We can pray and receive the application of the forgiveness which is already granted to us through Christ Jesus. So when I say there is one root to our life and it's either good or bad, I don't mean to say that you are either good through and through or bad through and through. Your goodness is from Christ. But you and I are also being transformed over time. But if Christ is the root of our life, then that transformation will be good. Now listen, People of the world are being transformed over time, too. If you want to call corruption transformation, it is a change. Like I said, if you put that plate of fruit, you put two plates of fruit out on the table and one of them is sealed in the spirit and one isn't, you'll only start to see the difference over time. But one plate of fruit is going to go to rot. But that's a transformation. It's just not a transformation into anything good or glorious, but into everything bad and, and destructive. So... If the root of your life is the spirit of the world, then the fruit of the world will be what dominates your life. But if the root of your life is Christ, then the fruit of Christ will be what dominates your life. That's what we looked at last week. Two weeks ago, we talked about two fruits. Do you remember? We looked at Galatians and saw that if you're of the good tree, you're producing fruit of the spirit. If you're of the bad tree, you're producing fruit of the flesh consistently one or the other. So today I want to talk about three truths in which Jesus teaches further into these lessons. That there's one, fruit, one root in our life. There's two fruits that can be produced. Either the good fruit of God and the spirit or the bad fruit of the flesh and the world and Satan. And there are three ways in which Jesus talks about that kind of growth in the parables that we're going to look at today in Mark chapter 4. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open to that. We're also going to have verses on the screen for you, but it's always good to have the word with you. If you've got your, your smartphone, you can have ready access to it or your tablet, or maybe you're online and you could just open another window. Just make sure you're opening a window of the word and not something else. I was going to say you can turn off Facebook, but some people are watching through Facebook, so I better not say that. That's a window of the word as long as it's the word that you're hearing. And hearing is a major part of Mark chapter 4. Notice that in these parables we're going to look at, hearing the word of God repeats over and over as a central theme of what Jesus is talking about. So will you just say this with me? Hearing. hearing. There you go. Hearing. 
we're going to hear the word of God. Three parables of faith, growth, and fruitfulness. The first is the parable of the sower, or sometimes called the parable of the soils, the sower or the soils. Almost exactly two years ago, I did an extended series on this. You may remember that. Does anybody remember me doing a multi-week series on the soils? Maybe I shouldn't ask that question. It's probably discouraging to see that nobody remembers it. Somebody remembered it. My wife remembered it. That's nice. Somewhere in there, it's, I trust it's planted into you. Yeah, uh, back in 2017, we did a multi-week series on this. So that's one reason why I'm not, um, not that I would ne- never repeat that again. There may be a time in the future. But I'm not going to focus on all the different soils today because we're looking at three parables, not just one. But I do want to remind you of how the different soils were described in that parable. So we'll look at that in just a moment. The second parable is the parable of the seed, or it's often called the parable of the growing seed. Now, each one of these parables is about a seed. They all relate to seeds. But in the second parable, the particular focus is how a seed grows, how it shows. Where it starts is hidden. Where it ends is visible. So we'll look at the growing seed. And then finally, the parable of the mustard tree, which is about how a very tiny seed, and a mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds, grows into a very large plant. A mustard tree is actually a very large bush, but it's as large as a tree. And though it's not as large as the largest of trees, it comes from such a small seed a seed that is smaller than many garden variety plants, and yet the mustard tree is much larger than the average garden variety plant. In fact, mustard trees can grow to as large as 20 or 25 feet in height or sometimes even more, and they're not uncommon in the area of the uh, eastern Mediterranean in which Jesus lived and taught. So we're going to look at the sower, which is a story of multiplication. Pagpaparami? Pag paparami, pag paparami, multiplication, multiplication, something growing and expanding through duplication, replication, multiplication. The sowing, uh, the parable of the growing seed talks about manifestation. So in the parable of the soils, we see how good seed is multiplied. In the parable of the growing seed, we're reminded that you don't see it right away. It takes time. There's a long time where the farmer is just looking at flat land. And even when the little shoots start to come up, you don't know which one is going to survive all the way to the end of the harvest, much less how fruitful it will be. But there is a manifestation over time. Nagpapapakitang. Nagpapakitang. Nagpapakitang. About the fifth or sixth time, I'll get it close. Nagpapakitang. I feel like Tagalog multiplies syllables. Is that true? They multi- you multiply vowels. Nagpapakitang, showing. Showing what you've got there, right? You know, you know uh, I'm so excited that our brother and sister, Sammy and Diana Colon, are going to be back with us today. She's, she's given birth to their lovely daughter. We're, we're looking forward to seeing them. When she, I I hope she doesn't mind, I'm using, I could use any pregnant woman, I suppose, as this example, but I'm going to use her because she's due to our hearts, and it's just recently happened. Sister Arnie actually is back there in the corner. This is true for you, too, and your little baby. And Brother Edison. Hallelujah. So 
that life began invisible to the world. In fact, before even Brother Edison and Sister Arnie knew, before even Brother Sammy and Sister Diana knew, the Lord knew there's life there. The Lord knew, but no one could see. But over time, there's growth. And you know what you start to say? Is she showing yet? Right? During the pregnancy. Is she showing yet? What does that mean? Is she growing? Can we see it? But listen, that life is growing long before you and I can see it. And make no mistake, even though it's hidden, it is a life. It is a life. It is a life. And that life will manifest. And when it begins to show, then people will believe. But blessed are those who believe without seeing. Manifestation. And then magnification. The mustard tree is an example of how that which has been multiplied through the growth of the Spirit and manifests through the work of the Spirit then grows larger. What began so small, secret, and hidden now moves to a place where it is so large and great that it provides for more than just itself. It becomes shelter to those beneath it. It becomes shade. Magnification. Balakihim. 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 Magnifying in a way that's about increase. So, a parable that talks to us about how to sow. A parable that talks to us about the promise of what will show. And a parable that reveals the power of God to grow in us. Sow, show, and grow. Let's look at the parable of the sower. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, listen to this. In the Greek, it's actually just, listen. Remember, I mentioned, and this is kind of a side thread, but I'm going to ask you to carry this with me. Carry, hold on to this thread with me. That throughout these, there's a recurring theme that Jesus is making, which is the word of truth is going out there. Listen. Speaking of series, about this time last year, I did a series. And the reason I mention this is because I want you to see a through line about what God is speaking to us. But also, I'm tapping into some themes that are relevant to what we're teaching today. So even if you're not part of PCF or haven't been part of the, uh, the congregation in times past or haven't been part of these teachings, it's still relevant and real to recognize that the seed faith that God wants to plant in us comes through hearing his word. I did a series last year. You may remember we did a series together about God speaking. God is speaking. But are we hearing Right? The scripture said God's talking all the time, but people aren't always listening. Here Jesus is saying, listen, that's the thing to do. But look what he says next. Behold, listen and then see. Do you remember how I've talked before that when scripture, both in Hebrew and Greek, says behold, it is a way of the Bible. It is a way of God by his spirit saying to us, see this. See it as a vision. See it in your spirit. See it by faith. That's what he's saying. Listen, hear the word of God, and then you'll see by faith. Listen and then see. The world says, if I see that what you're saying is true, I'll listen to you. God says, listen to me and you'll see. Reject my word and you'll be blind. But the world says, we don't see it. It doesn't look true to us, so they don't listen. The Pharisees were like that. They heard the words but they didn't hear with their heart, so they didn't see in the spirit. 
and thus they remained blind. So Jesus says, listen to this. Behold, see it now. The sower went out to sow. A farmer went out to plant his field. And as he was sowing, he threw seed. Now, this is the way the farmers do it. They throw the seed. It's called broadcasting. That's where we get the terminology for the technology of television and social media. Broadcast. It came from sowing seed. It's the same thing. By the way, do you realize every time you watch TV, every time you watch Netflix, every time you're on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you're receiving seed that's being broadcast. Is it good seed or bad seed? Because it's going into you and it will produce fruit. So beware what seed comes into you because it will start to show and it will grow and it will bear fruit. Now, some seed fell beside the road and it was eaten by birds. Later on, Jesus explains to his disciples the meaning of the parable and Jesus said this is people who Satan comes and steals away the word of God that they've heard they heard it but it didn't go deeply into them and so Satan stole it because he's a thief and he didn't want them to grow good things some fell on rocky soil it grew up quickly but in the heat it got scorched and because it didn't have deep roots it withered Jesus said, this is people who hear the gospel good news. Oh, I love it. I love about Jesus. I love to hear about love. God loves me. God wants to fulfill my dreams. But the moment that they have to walk out into the world and actually live a life of depth, their faith is so shallow that the, the heat and intensity of the world in which we live withers it. Similarly, and the hardness of their heart. Oh, I like hearing about Jesus' love. I hate hearing about the judgment of God. But they're the same. Love and mercy, justice and mercy have kissed in Christ. They are two sides of one coin. It's the same currency of God. If you reject the rightness of God to judge the world, you reject the righteousness of God by which you're saved. But if you have a hardened, stony heart, and you say, I just want the... I, I want the touchy-feely, kissy-gooey, but I don't want anybody to tell me how I'm going to live my life. That's a rocky heart. And the roots of faith don't go deep into it. And they wither. Or some fall among the thorns. The seed that fell among the thorns, Jesus said, that's people who they receive the word, they believe the gospel to some extent, but the moment that the thorns of opposition rise up, financial challenge, persecution because of your faith, you, you are experiencing things in your life that you don't think God should allow. Why did I get sick? Or why did they, he let that person I care about get sick? Why did this accident happen? Why am I facing this persecution? Why is there so much trauma or trouble in our church? And those things become thorns and nettles that choke their faith. But there is a good example. In verse 8, he says, Other seed fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, look, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100-fold. Now, let me tell you here, 30, 60, and 100-fold are all miraculous bumper crops, huge crops. In the uh, Mediterranean world uh, agricultural environment that Jesus was teaching to and living in, the average return in an excellent year 
if you were talking about a real, I guess I shouldn't say average return, what I mean is the best kind of return that a farmer could expect on his seed would be about tenfold, which means basically that for every seed that was planted, there is now 10 seeds at the end of the harvest. You use one seed to plant a plant. The plant grows and produces fruit, and each fruit has seeds in it. But the problem is not every seed that you plant grows, and Jesus shows that. Not all of it falls in the good place. Also, there are other things. There are storms, there's blight, there's freeze, there's heat, there's uh, predators. So not every seed sown is going to produce. So if you can get at least 10 times the amount of seed from your harvest, not just the fruit that you have, but you can collect that seed to reseed the ground, that's a huge one, 10 times. But look, this is 30, 60, or 100-fold, 10 times 10. So what Jesus is saying is it produced a miraculous harvest. At the very least, a miraculous harvest. And another one was twice a miraculous harvest. And another was more than three times a miraculous harvest. The point is not to say, ooh, I would, you know, I want to be 100. I want to be 150. Well, great. That's great. The point is to say, if the seed falls on good soil at all, it's going to produce a miraculous harvest. So really, the point of the parable is the good soil. And what is good soil? It's at the end of the parable. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Well, everyone has ears, but he's saying, Whoever is willing to hear, hear. Fulfill what you were made for. Hear the word. Good soil is hearing the word of God. Not just aloud, it is believing it, receiving, accepting. Accept the word of God. In the, in the terminology of the verse itself, we are told that the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil are those who hear the word of God and accept it. That means believe and receive and actually produce fruit. But the producing of the fruit is not an effort. The producing of the fruit is a promise. It comes from believing and receiving. Accepting means believing and receiving. Will you say accepting means believing and receiving? That kind of acceptance invites multiplication. So we don't look at our crop just based on what we can see. We look at it based on what we know and believe because Jesus has said so. Jesus has said God's word will produce multiplied results. God says in Isaiah, my word doesn't return to me void. It is seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Do you hear what is being said there? Not only does it produce an immediately fruitful thing, the bread for the eater, it also produces multiplied seed for future harvest, seed to the sower. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, when it says faith, it means we accept what God sees, not just what appears to be true. Where it says we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight there in the Greek is literally appearance. We don't walk according to what just looks to be true to us. We walk according to what we know to be true by faith. And where does faith come from? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Listen, said Jesus. Hear. 
And hearing comes from the word of God, which is the word of Christ. Faith is the soil in which good seed multiplies. It's impossible to please God without faith, which means it's impossible to produce a multiplied harvest without faith. And the only place where, at least a multiplied harvest of the fruit of the Spirit, and the only place where the fruit of the Spirit will multiply is in faith. But in faith and by faith, that seed will multiply. It will, pagpaparami, it will multiply even before we can see it. The parable of the growing seed, Mark 4, 26 to 29. Jesus goes on. He's stringing these together to bring about, which is why I'm stringing them together, by the way, to bring about a collective understanding, a comprehensive and progressive understanding. Each parable is adding to our understanding of how God grows things. So what Jesus says is the soil of your spirit is where the, the word of God is going to multiply. But don't expect necessarily to understand it or see it right away. It's like this. Let me explain it to you, says Jesus. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil and goes to bed at night. And when he wakes up, it's already grown. Why, why does he say goes to bed at night? In other words, he's not doing anything. He's asleep. It's the seed and the soil that are doing all the work. Now, Bear in mind this, if the man had not cast the seed, nothing would grow. But all the man had to do was cast the seed on good soil, and it would grow. He doesn't know how. It produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. You know what the mature grain in the head is? You know what you call that? Fruit. That's what it is. That's why when in the Bible it talks about fruit, and it often refers to grains and wheat fields and so forth. It's referring to this, the mature grain in the head. It's the soil that does that, good soil. And remember, the good soil combined with the good word is your heart open to believe and receive what God has said. When the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle. That's the time to cut down and bring in the harvest. And permit there in the Greek is actually to deliver. When the soil delivers over what it's got within it, what was hidden and now visible. When it gives over, when it puts what it has into the custody of the farmer, when it releases, when it shows its report, here is fruit, right? In the springtime, you go out, you see the trees with fruit on them. They are reporting to all the world. The secret of the seed has been fulfilled. So this manifestation is also about deliverance. When God comes and does his work, you don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't mean to say we can't know anything about it. But what I mean is we can't replicate it. We can't always even comprehend it. And we can't always see it. Look around the room. You and I have a harvest here in this place that we can't yet see by our eyes, but we don't walk by the sight of what appears by our eyes. We walk according to the faith of what God has said. And God said, I have set myself to do a work in this place, which is us, not the building, but the people. God has said it. He will do it. He will break every chain and show forth the fruit. And it will be balakinin, magnified. Jesus said, how can I picture it for you? 
What parable shall I use? It's like a little tiny mustard seed, so tiny, but when it's sowed into the soil and it's smaller than all the other seeds, it grows up into a larger tree, so big that the birds of the air can nest in its shade, so comforting, so supplying that it becomes a resource to the world around it. This is the third of these parables. And here again, Mark reminds us that Jesus was constantly broadcasting the word. He was sowing the seed. And as many as them as were willing to receive it were good soil and they multiplied. Amen? So growth in us, the work that God does in you, in your heart, will be magnified. So even though you are just a speck of soil in the eye of God, he has sown his seed into you. And what is started in secret in you will be shouted from the rooftops as God magnifies the work of his own hand in your heart, in this fellowship, in this city, in this time, in this place, in this season. Why not have revival? Why not call people to repent and don't soft pedal the truth? Next week, we're going to talk about love, and love requires truth. There is no love without truth, and nothing that is really true is contrary to love. But not everything that the world calls love is love, and not everything of God that is loving is recognized as love by the world. But in this season, you and I can speak the truth in love, sow the seed of God, and see a magnified harvest. Let us sow God's word into our lives, into our fellowship, into our worship, into our walking and talking and living and moving and, and interacting. Let's show our faith. Let people see it. Not just the showmanship of faith, but the evidence of real growth, of real fruit. Let us grow the fruit of the Spirit. Not that we can produce it of our own, but that we can open willingly to God and let him produce in us the growth of his body. Let Jesus Christ do some bodybuilding in us and grow his church. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, grow it in us. Grow yourself in us, Lord. Let us decrease so that you can increase. May we become more and more like you, Lord. May we be like the rock under the hand of the artist chiseling away so that whatever is flesh and not of you is cut off from us lord and whatever is spirit is released and revealed in us let us be the butterfly lord god give us wings and in those times where the field looks barren where there's no fruit on the table in those seasons lord when it seems that there's nothing let us not walk according to what seems or live according to what we see, but let us live and walk and rely upon the word of God. Let us walk by faith, Lord God, and we will walk in the spirit. I want to give an invitation. And the invitation is simply this. Will you hear what God has spoken to you today? God has been broadcasting the seed of his word into the soil of our heart. Is there any rock there? Any resistance on your part to whatever God might say to you? Then let the strong hand of God remove that rock. 
Or you yourself, push it aside. Say, well, I don't, I don't know if I can agree with God about this or that. I don't know if I like what he has to say about my political stance or my sociological stance. I'm not sure that I can agree that all the word is true. You know what that is? That's a rock that covers the tomb, the grave of your faithlessness. Let Jesus roll that rock away just the way he rolled away his. Let him give you faith to believe even when you don't understand. Maybe the rock is the rock of resistance that says, I don't think I can give my life to Jesus. But you can. And if you will, he gives his life to you. Anyone watching or hearing this or even in the room, if that's you, let Jesus roll that rock away. It's the rock of your grave. It's your tombstone. Let him roll it away and bring forth his life in you. Just say, yes, Jesus, I accept you. I receive you. But then don't stop there because you want his life to put down deep roots in you and you want it to uproot the things of your life that are not of him. And in fact, for all of us, all of us believers today, that invitation is wherever there are weeds of worry, of our own wayward will, past sin, present temptation, future concern, let the Lord uproot those things so that all that remains is the open, willing soil of your spirit to receive the fullness of his seed and produce the magnified, multiplied, manifest harvest of his grace. You can do that right now. To say, I hear you, Lord, and I give my life and heart to you. And in you, the growth of God will multiply. Amen. Hallelujah, church.